Balance is a myth. And for years, I fought for balance and ended up wasting time and energy on false notions of perfection. After anxiety attacks, bouts with depression and health issues, I had to learn to flow with the inevitable imbalance. I learned that being perfectly imperfect was okay. Disrupting balance is for real women who are exhausted with fighting for balance. It is for you, your life, your experience, your truth, and all of the chaos in between. I am Hanifa Barnes, and I am disrupting balance by finding harmony in the imbalance of work, well-being, and the in-between. Find me, follow, and subscribe at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. What do a dreamer, storyteller, and marketer have in common? Those are all characteristics of today's guest, Valerie Fisher. She's a neuro-linguistic practitioner who has woven together her experiences as a young dreamer in the Philippines growing up poor, her talents as a storyteller to educate her clients on the power of marketing. And this isn't marketing as we normally think. It's not just about posting an image or picture or throwing things on social media. It's marketing from a psychological lens. It's marketing from a heuristics lens. It's marketing from a behavioral science lens and understanding as a marketer why you do what you do. This episode has wonderful gems on the importance of marketing with considering your limbic system and why reprogramming your brain to think differently can help you shift the trajectory of your life and your brand. To connect with Valerie, check the links in the show notes. So hello, Valerie. Welcome to the Disrupting Balance guest chair. I'm so excited to have you for so many reasons today. And I just have to let our guests know that you are speaking to me from the Philippines, correct? Yes. Yes. It is 8.07 in the morning here. Wow. And it is 8.07 at night here in the States. (laughs) Other side of the world. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to jump right in, Valerie, because I know you have some great stuff to share. So what is your story? Okay. My story, um, I describe myself as a dreamer, a storyteller, and a marketer. That's how I describe myself. My story is that I've always been a dreamer. I've really always been a dreamer ever since I was a child because we grew up poor um, here in the Philippines. You know, I, I would I, I, I say this to my friends. You don't when you don't travel, you don't actually see what poverty is if you haven't been to the Philippines. So ever since, I don't know, I just always had this vision of me being somewhere else and doing something else and not being, I felt that where we were was small. I wanted, really, at seven years old, I had all these images in my head that I will be able to do many, many things. Um, So, and that, I think, has been one of my strengths, being a dreamer, because that made me really go for the things that I wanted. And then a storyteller, because of all the things I have been through, because of all the things I had to go through and struggle struggle with, that created stories. 
I I always say, you know, um, I if I had child, if I had grandchildren, um, I want them to think of me as a cool grandma. You know, somebody who's oh, she's done that. Oh my God, she's so cool. And I would be this eighty-year-old woman, you know, in my wheelchair. But then she will still realize that I have a cool grandma. And so that's that's how I, you know, that's how I try to live my life. And then also a marketer, a marketer, um, because I think I know I think this is the professional side of me. So that's the that's the professional side of me. But being a dreamer and being a storyteller are two of the things that I bring with me to become a marketer. Cause so those those two things and I you know so that's I think my story my story is I just always really go for what I want and more often than not I get them <laughs> I get them that's awesome I and I'm curious to know you said at seven years old right you you had this um, this gift or ability. Where do you think that stemmed from? What were you exposed to? What are things you can recall at a young age that maybe triggered that way of belief? Honestly, I in that environment, I did not have a role model, a person who I can look up to and say, someday I will be like you. It's not that. I think it was, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be stuck here. This is not where I am supposed to be. It was it was that. It was when, you know, um everybody else or well, at least some of my relatives they have cars and then we will just um get into their cars and then in my head I will have my own car someday. <laughs> I will not be at the mercy of your time. I will not be at the mercy of when you are available or where we because you know we are at the mercy we were at the mercy of where they want to go someday i will go where i want to go because i will have my own transportation i will have my own means it was more it was more like that um i remember my dad even said you're too ambitious <laughs> yes he said you're too ambitious i i know that he was just protecting me because you know if you're a seven-year-old nine-year-old child and you dream of all these things and then you get disappointed you will really be hurt but i use that to my advantage i i said and so what i'm ambitious and so what <laughs> i wow, can do so this i can be this yeah because my question was going to be, what did your parents say about all of this? Now, did you have siblings also? And then what what was their yes. reaction? Um, my So we, there's three of us. My sister, because I was, you know, I was always a bright child. <laughs> I was valedictorian in my class. And she had to go, um, she had to suffer the, the comparison. My second, my my uh, my sister, but my brother wanted to be like me, so he's my male version. <laughs> he's also very ambitious. He's actually now in Dubai as an architect, and he wants oh to gosh. eventually maybe go to Chicago or to New York and work there as an architect. So I'm sure your parents must be very proud. So let's jump ahead a little bit um, and let's see where this ambition led. Let's talk a little bit about your professional track 
and where you ended up and what that meant in, in your country, your society? Yes. So I'm here. There's a, there's a linear path to success. That's how we grew up. That's how we are brought up. So you study, you go to school, you go to college, you maybe get married after college, they will allow you, and then you get promoted, you have children, you get promoted again until you reach a C, you know, the C-suite, the head, the marketing director, the CMO, the CEO, the C, you know, whatever C's out there. <laughs> and that's the that's how people um, think of success when you're already there, like a manager, even a manager, the word manager already get, gives them goosebumps, you know, Oh my God, you're a manager. So that's how, that's how things are here. And because, you know, that's the society I grew up in. That's what I followed. That's what I followed. Um, and even when, even when we were, you know, even when we were poor, I decided even at seven years old again, that I was going to go to the premier, the number one school here in the Philippines. I, I And I only had one shot. That was the only college that I tried going to, that I actually took the exam. <laughs> that was the only one. And um, I got in. I got in. I traveled three hours every day because we were at the northern part of Manila. I got a job. Again, I traveled three hours every day. And then I got another job. Um, I guess I was also luck. Um, fortune favors the brave. <laughs> I also, I think, got lucky because I knew um, that that's where I was going. I had a path. Okay, as a as an NLP practitioner, I always say you have the the brain is like a GPS system. You have to put in a destination, and my destination was clear. And I got, you know, I was um, in an advertising agency, so agency side, and then I went to client, and then I even went outside of the Philippines. I worked in Cambodia for a year, and then I went back, and then, you know, the, it's just a really nice path. When I got that job in the biggest real estate company here in the Philippines, I stayed for seven years, and that's where I was assistant vice president. I left that job as, as an AVP, one of the youngest, um, you know, assistant vice presidents in, in, in that company. And when I lost, when I, no, not, I didn't lose that. I wanted to rest because all of my life, as I said, I was always going, going for something, going for something in between jobs. I would only have the weekend. And so I said, maybe it's time to rest. And I didn't know where that, you know, where else to go in that company. Cause I said, to myself, it took me 18 years to get here as an assistant vice president. How long will it take for me to get to president, to get to, you know, one of the highest there? And so I said, it's time to really think about where I want to go next. And so I, you know, I quit that job. And my, of course, my immediate family, they were like, are you sure? Because people will kill for that job. That mm -hmm. job allowed me to travel the world. I handled international marketing. Um, I did all of these really wonderful events. But they were also um, supportive. Okay, supportive because even in the past, I would also support them. 
but I had to save up for it. It wasn't, a, you know, out of, I want to quit the job now. I don't want to work anymore. It wasn't right. that. I saved up for it for two years. So I put up a business then, and then, I don't know, the universe really wants me to do something else. And I got a job as a CMO. Um, and then the pandemic happened. And then I'm forced again to, you know, rec- um, how do I say, reinvent myself and to pivot. So that's my... And, t- and tell That's about why why is being a CMO a big deal, right? Because I know even here in the corporations, being a C anything with a C C suite is a big deal. But let's hear about it from your perspective and where you sit. Why is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal for at least in my 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 immediate friends and relatives because they all knew I came from almost nothing. So for me to get there means that they can also get there that i am proof of the pudding i you know somebody like me from valenzuela well i always say valenzuela because when i was growing up it was like a small it wasn't even a city yet then um so i guess it gives a lot of inspiration for people and also um well it's a, it's a job Many women get to it. Many women get to it, but it's not as easy. It's not as easy to get to get that post. Still, many men still occupy that post. That marketing director, marketing head, um, CMO. So, for a a woman, a lady to have that position also means something. So, you mentioned earlier about you know you have this knack to really go after and know what you want. So let's take a quick sidebar and tell me your own personal life. Like while you're climbing this ladder and you're pushing and you're fighting to get promoted and moving to move into these great positions, how did you handle your personal life? How did you create time and space to date or whatever and you know deal with those aspects of your personal life? Like I do my professional <laughs> Like I do my profession. Well, okay. Um, well, when I was younger, I have to say that my relationships took a backseat. There was even a time that um, I broke up with a boyfriend because he made me choose between him and my job. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Good for you. He, <laughs> he made me choose. Um, I was, I think I was 20, 24 or 25 and I was handling one of the biggest events at that time, I'm not sure if you're, the, the World Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Entertainment came here and I was the organizer. And he was like, you know, you're not at home because we were we were staying at the hotel. I can't call you. I can't talk to you, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like that on, on the phone, drunk. And, I'm, and he said, you have to choose. Choose now, your job or me. I'm like, oh, are you crazy? You're drunk. <laughs> I will choose my job. And he changed his mind. <laughs> He changed his mind and he went, you know, he went after me for several more months after that. And he's because he, you know, he re- changed his mind. And I said, I'm not changing mine. <laughs> How dare you ch- make me choose between you and my job? And I was at a really good place. So, yes, took a backseat. But thankfully, um, 
you know, maturity, I guess. I, it also takes some some sort of maturity and finding the right person because my husband now is really supportive. And um, when we were boyfriend, girlfriend, he would also, he knows when to take the back seat. <laughs> he also good, knows, very good. I'm, he, he knows I'm, I'm, he knows I work hard. He knows I know what I want. He knows, you know, and the one question that he will just ask me whenever I would do something new is, are you happy? That's the only question that, that he asks me because if I'm still happy, then he will support me. So right now it is, um, so it's the reverse, I think. Right now, I think I am more, um, my, my priority is now, a more how do i say more time not work i still i still have very big dreams sometimes it scares me <laughs> i still have very big dreams but i realize that i want a more i think peaceful a more peaceful life a friend of mine asked me because when i started this um this new business last year it took off like crazy i wasn't even prepared <laughs> i wasn't even prepared i was doing trainings it's here and there etc and she asked me how are you gonna scale that and i'm like my question the question in my head do i want to scale this will people what will people think of me are they gonna think i'm a failure if i don't scale this but then i'm like I don't really care. So what if I don't? So what if? It, so what if I take my time? So what if I take my time this time? Yeah, I do like that perspective because we tend to want to be responsive to the external environment and what they say and what they think, and oftentimes don't stop to think about what our needs are, which is uh, it's actually a pretty remarkable perspective to have. And but like you said, maturity comes and things take a different shape. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about the, the CMO job. You have that job and then the pandemic happens. What happened with the job once the pandemic happens and take us through that emotional journey and shift that happened as a result? Um, we, he, she said, she sent me a text. She said, we need to talk. And you know what that means when, when you receive a message that says, we need to talk. Okay. And we talked um, on Zoom on a Saturday morning. And I knew what she was going to say. And I also knew what I was going to tell her because they she was forcing us to work outside of our homes into a makeshift office and leave our families behind. And at that time when uncertainty was at its peak, you, you really didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I had to choose my family. I had to choose my health. And when she said, you're not, you know, if you're, if you're not going to follow this rule, if you're not going to follow what I want you to do, then I think it's time for us to go our separate ways. And I said, you know, ma'am, it's fine. Um, I really don't want to do that. Also, I was one of the last to join the company. So she was also, you know, getting, getting rid of some, of, of some people. So I, you know, that's, I totally understood that. She also did not want me to continue with my business because I had a an e-commerce site on the side. So she there were many restrictions and I said I, I I refuse to do that. I respect you, 
let's go our separate ways, etc. But because, <laughs> as I said, my brand is somebody who who really works for it, goes for it, and I had a lot of ego. <laughs> I didn't want to tell people, you know, oh my God, you were forced out of a job. You don't have a job anymore. I didn't want people. So I hid. I almost deactivated my Facebook because <laughs> I didn't want people to know. It was embarrassing. You know, it was embarrassing. I had a lot of shame and I was also confused. I didn't know what if my, my sister gets sick? What if my niece gets sick? What if I get sick? Where am I going to get the money for that? Unlike the first time that I quit the job, I had savings then. But now I didn't because I wasn't, you know, I really wasn't prepared. And um, so I was just, you know, really hiding really hiding, lurking on Facebook, lurking practically. <laughs> What's going to happen? What are people doing, etc. And then one day, um, my my husband, who's doing distance learning, he had this, you know, he, he had this class on, and one of the kids said, Mr. Fisher, I'm scared. And I heard that. And um, I think those words were what let me cry because when i heard that when i when you hear those words from a child it really is you know it's powerful it's powerful to hear for them to to accept and acknowledge that they're scared and up to that point i think i was not acknowledging the fear so I let it all out. I'm like, I just cried and cried and cried. I don't know what to do. What's going to happen with my life? I'm so embarrassed, etc., etc. So I let it all out. And when I let it out, I, 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 being an NLP practitioner, I focused on what is it that I have control over? What is it that I can do? And at the time that I was lurking on Facebook, I had a lot of people asking for my help. Val, how can we sell online? Because I have an e-commerce site. Val, how can we market online? Because I had advertising and marketing background. Val, can you help um, these people because they're, um, you know, getting depressed, they're getting a lot of uh, um, an anxiety attack from my coaching group. And so I decided, okay, what is it that I can do? What is it that I know how to do well? And I combined the NLP, my neuro-linguistic programming background, because at that time I was giving um, free coaching for, for people who were really suffering from anxiety attacks and then uh, marketing and then the e-commerce. So I combined them all together and I came up with my own marketing method. And a friend of mine said, you know, sent me a message. He was like, Val, do you know of any, uh, you know, speaker, uh, speaker who can who can teach my team how to sell online? And I gave him options of, you know, popular motivational speakers. When I sent him the options, I said, these are all the popular speakers, but they don't know how to sell digital because even they are trying to pivot online and so i said i called him i said you know what 
you want me to do it for you? <laughs> I I asked, I said, I can do that. I have marketing background. I know how to sell online. I have an e-commerce site. I also know how to speak. So you want me to do that for you? And that started the whole business. It's me asking. So, Again, it's me going for it. <laughs> yeah. So how long? So that was a major, I think, shift or imbalance with you getting to that point after hearing the child say, I'm scared, and actually that being a trigger for you to really release all of those emotions around this major, major change to your identity, right? Because you mentioned for 18 or 19 years, you were working toward like working this path, this linear path to grow to this point. And now it's gone. And so a large part of who you are and believe yourself to be is gone in a sense as it relates to that linear path, right? And you turned your focus into what you could control, which kind of starts to move into this idea of that finding the harmony in that imbalance. But during the process, from the point where you were able to release and let go of the emotion to the point where you realized you had something with your current gifts and strengths and abilities, that time period, were you anxious? Were you saying, you know, I'm ambitious. I can do these things. Why isn't this happening faster? Like, were you anxious? Were you impatient? Were you trying, were you thinking things should be happening sooner? Like, what was that whole thought process between that gap of time? Um, well, ah, between that gap of time, no. I was actually just letting it flow. I was floating. I was just, okay, universe, I lost the job. I lost uh, a chunk of what I was. But I'm open. You know, I'm open. And also at the time, I got into meditation. And that really helped. That really helped um, realize that abundance is everywhere. It ma- it may not be in that job, you know, but it's still everywhere. It is within us. It is in us. And that helped calm me. That helped uh, focus. That helped me focus on the things that I can control. So what is neuro-linguistics. Explain that for listeners so they understand and and talk about also brain science. Yeah, so um, in 2018, I took the NLP, the Neuro Linguistic Programming Certification. I've always been fascinated with the workings of the brain. And um, there's many different, how do I say, uh, definite definitions depending on how you use it nlp for me and many others it is a study of excellence what is it that makes people excellent and others not so nlp studies those the 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 qualities the characteristics of excellent people and try to model so if these people are excellent what is it about them what is the difference that makes the difference? So the, it lists it down and then cr- came up, they came up with um, techniques that will allow you to copy or to model those characteristics or those traits. Um, 
it is also a study of um it's actually bordering on neuroscience because neuroscience really is the science of it um nlp is more psychology so neuro for example we have thoughts right we have thoughts when you have thoughts you have a visual of it what what does it look like you have auditory of it what what do you hear kinesthetic what do you feel olfactory do you smell anything and gustatory what does it taste like so that is the neuro part linguistic is how do you describe those thoughts what are the words that you use to describe those thoughts so for example the thought is a beach for me a beach is uh, something relaxing it's hot it's hot there i feel uh, the wind in my face i feel sand in my feet but for somebody who is in i don't know um, somewhere in europe where they have a different beach a beach they will describe as cold because there are beaches where it's cold that's the linguistic of it it now depends the linguistic depends on your programming how you were programmed in the past so me and my husband we will go to a movie theater the temperature is set at 24 degrees and i will have a jacket because 24 degrees for me is cold he said you don't know cold he lived in chicago for 16 years and for him 24 degrees is hot that is nlp neuro and then the linguistic and programming now and now that you know that's actually you know based on programming you can reprogram your brain into thinking something else so for example with just with using words instead of saying i'm a failure because of your programming because people say it all the time that's what people say you know well, you can say you can say i failed at this but you're not a failure you just failed at waking up early you just failed at doing yoga today but you're not a failure in in nlp we were taught the different parts of the brain that you also you, it, this is actually more neuroscience so um there is the prefrontal cortex where our logic is our logic lies and there's the um the limbic system where our emotions lie so i now use that because your emotions at the back um actually dictate so 90 percent of the time our purchases are made in our limbic system we buy based on emotion and so i use those for marketing so now you know if if you're going if we're saying that we buy based on emotion why do we sell on price you sell or why do you sell on a discount that's prefrontal cortex that's logic do you say you're because you're going to save but when you use your limbic system you say you know what your savings will actually let you um pay for one month's mortgage so that's more limbic system that's more emotional or your one month savings will actually pay for your child's tuition <laughs> something like that so um i use those concepts in marketing and selling on online space 
Are there quick exercises? Like, let's just, you talked about their, this ability to reprogram. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you speak about reprogramming, are you talking about, I guess, thoughts that are on a more of a first degree level thought or more second or third degree, you know, where it's deeper into your mindset and your upbringing, your belief. Like when you talk reprogramming, what level are we talking? Or this can be for any level of thought. It can be for any level of thought, depending on the technique. Um, NLP, the actually my, my certification was one of the most difficult things I had to go through in life really <laughs> the the entire process of it because again we were programmed so in my head i had things that i you know i had i was resistant to some changes and to some new ideas because i was programmed that way but there are exercises example phobia um we can we can actually manage phobia with one exercise um trauma takes more than one, but anxiety, we have breathing exercises, so that's more immediate. My my uh, reprogramming at that time, I did the timeline, the time, I, I mean, my, my mentor uh, did the timeline on me, that's childhood trauma in one, in one session. Okay, so would you say then that the more that the behavior is connected to the identity, the more exercises it takes to reprogram. You know, um, I mean, so if I identify as a trauma victim, right? Something that I I know has been a part of who I am at an early age, it requires a little bit more than just that short exercise that you mentioned in yes. the first example, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also because the client, the the coach needs to establish rapport with the client and that does not immediately happen. There are relationships where there's no immediate rapport, but when there's immediate rapport, like for me, for me and my mentor, I've known her for years, there was immediate rapport and it only took one one exercise but since i'm a practitioner every time i think about it you know sometimes it goes back i know how to manage it already with certain other exercises um so for example internal dialogues okay internal dialogues we we sometimes i suffer from imposter syndrome i have this thought in my head that says you're not good enough how dare you do that how dare you dream of this you know and that happens in our heads. So this, the exercise that I want you to do, because it we base it on modalities, like what I said, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. The next time that that voice comes into your head, whatever that voice is, make it like a chipmunk. Make it like a chipmunk. Because instead of, instead of, fearing the voice instead you know you'll be oh my god what what sound is that you don't find it funny (laughs) that had an instant effect on me and i laughed because i heard the chipmunk yes immediately and i thought this is hilarious so that that's a pretty instant effect that that's a really good recommendation yes wow yes 
immediate, right? So there are yeah. places where it's immediate. So imagine that voice in your head that says you're not good enough. How dare you? You came from the you came from the you know from poor or whatever. You can't do yeah. this. Imagine that voice saying. So okay, so you coach. So so the idea that I understand of coaching is. Coaching is about future forward thinking for your client, whereas therapy is more so backward past thinking. So as a coach, talk about how you strategize to move clients forward when there's some aspect of reflection of what was past. I usually really, I, how I start is, you know, you ask for the goal, you ask for um, the things that they need to work on. Initially, I ask a lot of questions because sometimes they might think that it's, you know, it's really just procrastination. I need help with procrastination. But you will realize that the root of the procrastination, it's not skin deep. It's not procrastination. It's actually self-image. In some cases, they procrastinate because they think that they can't do it. Because somebody in their past actually said they can't do it. So I ask a lot of questions and then I decide on the techniques or what we call the resources to help our clients. I also do soft and hard skills because I use um, I use NLP for marketing. So the clients that come to me, they actually initially ask me for marketing help. But then I make them realize, you know, we can't do these things, the tactics and the strategies, because you have a, the wrong mindset. I go back to that. And then we can't start with your content marketing and video marketing because you know what? You don't know your why. You don't know why you're doing this. You don't know what your brand personality is. You don't know these things. So we have to go back, you know, five steps backward or whatever. So I, ju- I don't just give them or teach them how to do funnels or whatever. I go back. So it's soft and hard skills. That's interesting because I would even argue that people, not people, but there's a general idea that marketing is just about advertising and promotion, but there is an ethos to the process, right? You have to bring in kind of some of who you are and I think you talked about this earlier. Uh, we purchase, the consumer purchases based on their limbic system, right? 90% of the time where yes. the emotions are stored. So in a sense, as a marketer, you have to connect to your own limbic system to help determine kind of what you want to produce and put out, right? Yes. Yes. And there are exercises on how you can do that. A lot mm-hmm. of them... Say when you ask, what why do you do this? What's your purpose? They would all say family. Because family is like the most immediate. Mm-hmm. But you'll realize when you ask again, ask more questions and ask again and always ask again. Because that's how we, we do it in um in NLP. You really go to the root of it. And and then they will realize it's actually about ambition. It's not for family. <laughs> it's actually about ambition. It's actually about um, my idea of success. It's actually about happiness. It's actually about something else. So um, my role as a coach is to get there because when they realize that it's actually about ambition, then their brand voice 
will be about ambition. It's not going to be about family. If they think it's family, but it's really about ambition, so it will be, it it will change. Even their colors, even their content, even the way that they do sales, even the and then when you realize it's about ambition, then your tribe it will be easier to attract people whose values resonate with yours because you share that same you know you share the same value and you will be able to better I mean easier faster create the tribe. And I am reflecting kind of on my own journey um, with Disrupting Balance. I started this in 2019 after uh, the the idea came after business school in 2019, but started it uh, early 2020 and went through these various iterations of what I thought it all meant, right? But to your point, I wasn't digging deep. Like initially it was, okay, it's about sharing women's stories, but I had to keep digging to figure out, well, it's more than that. Then, you know, one iteration was maybe it's about me being multicultural because I am West African, but immigrated to the States and grew up in the States. But then I'm like, no, it's more than that. And so it went through these iterations of digging and asking myself and hiring a business coach until finally getting to a place now where I feel in lockstep with the true intention of what this is and everything I produce is that and I could care less about numbers right now because it's not about revenue for me yet mm-hmm. more so locking into what this means yeah so this, this is really really good wow i mean yeah this is awesome so um any last thoughts on kind of this idea of marketing and just connecting the the brain science elements and being conscious of that as you go forward any other last thoughts on that um a lot of my friends, even people who follow me, think that I just manifest things. Hmm. You know, they think like, oh, um, she's so good. And and I tell you, they're amazed. She just manifests things. She just, you know, she makes it happen, which for me has really been my brand. You ask any boss, any former boss, they will always say she makes things happen. But that that's the thing. I make things ha- I make things happen because I take action. Manifestation really is also about taking action in the same way that transformation is. I I may teach you a lot of things and I've learned this the hard way as I go through this journey of being a trainer and a coach and a speaker. I I share a lot of things and then I got frustrated because they don't take action. So it's not on me. I realize it's actually not on me when they don't take action. I can share with you how things happen for me because I think about it. Like what I said, our brain has a GPS. It's like a GPS system. So you input a destination. But what are you going to do if you don't actually start the engine? You don't start driving. You have to start driving or else you won't get there. So that's um, for transformation and manifestation. It's not just all in your head. You have to take action. I'm just excited. I always get excited to hear from other ambitious women, but not just ambitious kind of in this empty idea of I'm ambitious because I just want things, but ambition that's rooted in intentionality, thought, Mm -hmm. Um, and process, 
you know, like you said, you have a destination in your brain. Each step of the way, it's not just ambition for the sake of I'm supposed to be ambitious. So I really, really appreciate this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I am Valerie Fisher and I am disrupting balance by not really achieving for balance. <laughs> I, you know, um, you, you just go with the flow. You you be ambitious. You be who you are. It, it doesn't matter what other people think. You know, it doesn't matter what society thinks. Like what I said, there's there was a linear path for me, but I don't let that rule my life. So just be you. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I truly, truly appreciate you and know that I am working to build a community of balance disruptors. Those are women who are working to find harmony in the imbalance of work well-being and the in-between. And if you're interested in joining, go to www.disruptingbalance.com and you'll get occasional emails and messages around health, harmony, and mindset to get you through the imbalance of your day. You can also follow me on social media at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. Or if there is a particular topic you want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a message at info at disruptingbalance.com. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It truly helps us to grow and move forward and disrupt balance. Talk soon.